listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. Hosted by high-stakes headhunter, author, and professional speaker, Scott Love. This is the Rainmaking Podcast, and my name is Scott Love. Thanks for joining me on the show today, and thank you for making this podcast a huge success. I've been podcasting since 2009, yes, when people listen to podcasts on iPods. And so I've been doing this for a little while, and I'm really proud of this show because it gives you value. My promise to you is not to waste your time and to get you ideas that right away can make a big difference in how you sell your services. Whether you're in the legal industry, some other sort of professional services, or B2B sales, I hope that you make the Rainmaking Podcast as, as part of your weekly diet of training with over 130 download, downloadable episodes. That's, that's almost, it's over 70 hours of content that's absolutely free. Now, our guest today is Gary Brown. He's the chief hatcher of Hatcher Advisory. He knows a thing or two when it comes to assisting businesses through times of financial transition. He's in Australia and his company is an accounting firm. Even though he's in a different part of the world where most people live who listen to this, the concepts still apply. Concepts and principles and premises that impact one industry can impact other industry. Those are malleable. One trend that I'm following right now is getting real practitioners of rainmaking on this show so they can tell their story. And I think you're going to get some great insight into action steps you can take, kind of following Gary's playbook and how he had a big boost just by doing a few certain things within his business. I hope you get some great ideas from Gary today. Make sure you connect with him on LinkedIn. We'll put all of his contact information on the show notes. Thank you for listening. And as always, thanks to our sponsor, Leopard Solutions. This show is sponsored by Leopard Solutions, Legal Intelligence, Suite of Products, Firmscape, and Leopard BI. Push ahead of the pack with the power of Leopard. And now here's my conversation with Gary Brown. Hey, this is Scott Love. Thanks for joining me on the Rainmaking Podcast. Our guest today is Gary Brown, and our topic title is Growing a Firm as a Rainmaker. Gary, thanks for joining me on the show. Thanks for having me, Scott. So you've done something impressive. You grew a professional services firm at a pretty good clip when you were in your 20s. Now, the people listening to us, they work in different types of organizations. Some of them are solo practitioners. Some of them work in global firms, but I know we can all take lessons from this. Uh, so kind of give us a quick overview. What is it that you did? And what are we going to talk about today on the show? Yeah, well, we started, a uh, me and my wife, uh, we weren't married at the time, but we started an accounting firm based in Melbourne, Australia. And we did that seven years ago, just the two of us. And we were able to grow that up to around 32, 33 people today, 3 million Australian dollar turnover, annual turnover. And I think we're going to dive deep into what that looks like from a, a journey point, what it looks like from bringing in clients, because I do bring in majority of the clients and um, how we've been able to grow that team. Yeah, that's great. So when you did this, what were your primary focus areas? Was it growing the revenue or growing the people side? Which did you kind of focus on? At the start of business, I'm going to probably say I was focusing on the wrong side of things. So I think if you focus on the revenue side straight away, it could sometimes be an ego thing. So that, that was it for me. So at the start, it's like, I want a big business. I want my name on a building. I want to drive a flashy car and I want to make lots of money. And that was the first, the first reason of going into business. Now it's a little bit different. So we've had our first child and now it's like, okay, well, 
I still want my name on a building. Yes. <laughs> that hasn't changed, but the revenue target has definitely changed. And now we're all about, and, and I'd be extremely happy if we could achieve this, but if we didn't terminate any more people, if we stayed the exact same size and we had the exact same team for the next 12 months and all we did was invest in Australian dollars, dollars $100,000, $120,000 in their development, how much better would the organization be in 12 months? And that's our focus at the moment is going, let's look at efficiencies, let's look at training, let's bring in leadership training, let's do all these other things to enhance the business, the service, the product that we provide to our customers, and let's really improve this, let's move the needle a lot and see what we can achieve without necessarily growing the size of the organization, but we may still grow the revenue, but without growing the number of team members too much. And what what are some examples, how you developed your people and the efficiencies and things like that? Give us some examples of that, please. Yeah. So again, we'll we'll say the first bit of the business, so the first five years was centered around myself and my wife doing leadership training. So we did, always as an organization, we did our professional training because accountants need to keep up with all the accounting stuff that's going on. But from a business development training and from a leadership training, it was always just me and my wife that were hogging all the resources from that, that perspective. More recently, in the last six months, we decided that isn't the best strategy if we want to grow the firm. So it was now time to start doing, we, we call it leadership training, but start doing training with our leadership team. And we've done that for the last six months on developing them personally. But we also then realized that it's not You've got to look a level below the leadership team because we've got some amazing team members that we want to come through and turn into amazing leaders or amazing managers. And if we don't put training into them now, when they're ready in one, two, three years' time, they're not going to actually have the skill set that we want them to have. So we're going to start training them now as well. The type of training we're doing is like every quarter, we'll do three days of specified business development training, leadership skills, focusing on our systems efficiencies. Great. And do you do that yourself or do you do online training or do you hire consultants or trainers to come in? What is it that you actually do to do that? Yeah. So at the moment, we're going away to a, um, a specified course. So we that's the inner circle model based in Melbourne with Sean, Sean Sewell. And we're going away and we're doing that as a leadership team. But come next year, we're going to have the consultants come internally in our business for those training sessions rather than us flying 20 people. We'll get them to come down to us because it'll be a cheaper proposition. Yeah. So you're making an investment in your people. Yes. Some of my clients told me a couple of weeks ago that an organization should be reinvesting 10% of their revenue into their team. Mm-hmm. And I was like, What? 10%, that's that's an extraordinary <laughs> amount of money. I'm like, I don't know about this. So I'm coming around to it and we're, we're aiming for 4% next year. So that's, for us, that, that's a huge, huge investment. Obviously from a number value, that's your $100,000, $120,000. But yeah, huge investment because it's, it's not so much about the money side of things. It's that analogy that people have always had is, you know, what happens if you invest the money in the team and they leave. And then you think about what happens if they stay. But I go one bit further. What happens if you have an underperforming team member working in your organization for 20 years? Right. And that cost of the business opposed to having a performing team member would be astronomical. So when I look at this, I go, if every single one of my team members 
are high performers and they love what they do. They're happy, they're motivated. They've worked on their personal development side of things and they're all higher performers. The organization is going to achieve substantially more than if we had, you know, the top 20 that are that, you know, the middle section that are average and the bottom section that are underperformers. So that investment in the people is something that we're trying to move the needle to ensure everybody is a top performer. That's great. Were there any hesitations that you had in doing that? Like when you started doing this, did you ever say, you know, I just don't know if I should do this? Tell me about that, Gary. Yeah, absolutely. And this goes back to, you know, the money side of things. So for us, again, because we've done so much leadership training on the key people of the business, myself, my wife, and then we're like, okay, we're the main people. So we need that. Like I bring in 85% of the clients, so I need that. But when we invited our team to do some training with us and we saw how much development they still had. It was like, you know, a sledgehammer getting hit in the face with it's like, oh, I've been making this mistake all this along all this time because we haven't been doing enough investment in the team. Yeah. Interesting. So when was it, how long ago was it when you really started growing your team? Like, you know, kind of give me a after you and your wife started this, how long was it before you really started yeah. hiring more than five, six people? Kind of that sort of timeline. So the first five years, we were around that five, six people mark. So it took us five years to get up there. In year six, that's when we had an explosion and we went to, say, 20 people. In year seven, and we're in year seven now. So it's around that that 32, 33. It kind of changes each month at the moment because we're still trying to find the happy medium. Mm-hmm. So we're hiring and also, unfortunately, we're not getting the hiring process right. So we're also letting people go, but we're trying to fill a couple of positions at the moment. That's pretty good growth. Yeah. And I think this is where, you know, business owners have to be reminded and, and we do this a lot as an accounting firm, but also because we get to see other businesses. When you're doing that rapid growth, it sucks a lot of cash out of right. the business or the business owner's bank accounts. So you've got to have those times when you're like, we're in growth phase. Right now we're in building the cash phase. And then we go back to being in the growth phase because otherwise you can't always be in growth phase unless you've got some VC funding, unless you've got massive mm-hmm. pockets. You can't always be investing into the future. So if you could go back in time to when you first started growing it, you've got five to six people and just over the horizon, you know that you've got some significant growth. What would be something that you would want to tell your younger self that you know that you've learned at that time? <laughs> I would probably say... I'd probably say that allocate four hours a week on internal uh, leadership training or me imparting stuff on the team. I think that's one bit that we left out that I regret at this point going that we didn't invest enough in the team back then, back two years ago, and we should have done more then rather than doing it now. Interesting. And is this something that within your company, does everybody get the leadership training or only those that are in a leadership role? We're now doing everyone. so. Every quarter, it is every person that obviously is in the office on that day will get the training. Mm. And what's something that you learned during the COVID time as you were growing your practice? Yeah, so we did a acquisition during that time as well. So in February 2020, we purchased another accounting firm and that was part of the growth and we doubled overnight. And in March, mm. uh, we went into lockdowns. So we had... Two years of being heavily locked down in Melbourne. 
Our original accounting firm was very much um, a cloud-based, but the one that we purchased was very much paper-based. And because of that, we had to quickly adapt to enhancing their technology really quickly. But one of the big things that I learned then, and this is more to do with acquisitions than COVID, I guess, but all your strategies that you put in place to achieve an outcome for an acquisition, just expect it all to get thrown out the window because something will happen and change. And for us, that was the lockdowns. So we thought that we would have two offices. I would spend my time half between both offices and I would get to meet the team and all the clients over a period of time. Then you have, you know, 200 days of lockdown in Melbourne over a, you know, 18-month period when you're not allowed to leave your house and you can't do those meetings in person. So it's not as impactful. You don't get to meet the team as much. Your culture's not built. And the lesson that I take out of you know, that also is I go back to, and we're pretty firm on it here now, is that we want our organization to be an in-person organization. We don't really want the team to be working from home too much mm-hmm. because we want the culture. We have a table tennis table. You can't see it in my video, but we have a table tennis table. Most people will play table tennis a couple of times a day. We have an amazing office and we want to bring that laughter, that joy and that happiness to our team. And we notice that they're more engaged when they're doing those type of activities, when we're seeing them, when they're being a part of the team. Yeah, and that's how we have built our foundations to our business. You said something that was very insightful, Gary. This is something I haven't heard before. As you know, I work in the legal industry. I recruit partners for big law firms in the United States. And the firms I work with, they're global firms. And right now, everybody's talking about how do you get people to come back into the office? <laughs> The one thing you did say that I hear them say is culture, that culture is a big part of people being together. But what I've never heard anybody say is we want to help them to find the laughter, joy, and happiness of being on the team. And I think what you've said is insightful, laughter, joy, and happiness coming to work. No one ever says that. Usually they say, we're going to bribe you with Oreo cookies and chocolate, (laughs) (laughs) But, but laughter, joy, and happiness. And I think that's a great attitude. Do you think that your leadership, do you think the spirit, the way you just described that, do you think that attitude impacts the overall culture of your firm? It does, regrettably, because I kind of get annoyed if I'm not here in the office, it's a different vibe. And Wait, I'm You said it does, to, regrettably. Is that what you said? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It shouldn't just be reliant on me. So that's why I say the word regrettably, that it should be a real culture, you know, would stem without the leadership team embedding on it. So we've still got a lot, to, a lot to go, a lot to work on. It will never be perfect, but our key focus in our organization is that you enjoy doing what you do. And people are like, oh, accounting, you know, that's boring. Well, you know, sometimes it is. And sometimes the work that we do isn't always that exciting, but we can still have laughter. We can still yeah. have joy and we can still have fun. That's great. I think that's a good attitude. And I do understand exactly what you say, that you want that to be a self-propagating vibe that doesn't have to depend on you. And I think that's insightful that you're trying to develop that leadership because leadership is a big thing that I don't see a lot of organizations focusing on, which is my own, my own opinion that if every law firm that I've worked with, if they do leadership training for every partner, they're going to solve all the culture challenges because all problems are people problems in any organization. <laughs> they are. 
Yeah, yeah. All problems are people problems. So, so tell me about client development then. Is there anybody else beside yourself that goes out there and kind of shakes the trees and brings business in? I would say predominantly, yeah. N- nowadays, 97% of the clients that come on board would be from me generating yeah. them. And I think, and I look at that and I go, yeah, there's a bit of a key risk element to that. But also this goes back to, for those out there that want to you know, emulate something like that, want to have high sales in the accounting space, 95% of our work is recurring. So if you do a good job, you know, you'll work with the client again next year, 95% right. of the time, but we want to grow. So this year we've got, you know, growth of 20, 25%, I think it is, which means that we've brought in in Australian dollars, again, say $750,000 worth of new clients. And I look at that as an, an amazing opportunity to work with new, exciting people. And we kind of, we attract the right types of businesses. So we've got a client avatar. We make sure that those are the clients that we're attracting. We don't actually take every client on because we don't want to. So we're being very selective in that. And I get so excited when we land a new client because it's a new it's a new challenge. And I know that our team also gets excited as well. So I look at it and go, there's some pros and cons of it just being me that does most of it, but I'm still very much interested in supporting new people and go through their growth growth phases with them. And it's still rewarding. And most of the time it works out well for us and the client. That's great, Gary. So if you could kind of give those listening recommendations, if they want to grow their firm, or maybe they have a practice within a firm and they need to build it, they need to get people on the team that are doing the work, that are doing it well, they really want to make it a positive place for people to work. If you could give them three action steps to take to really increase the odds of them doing what you've done, what would those action steps be? Yeah. So it's personal development is number one, then it's the team development. So I think it's focus on yourself with these type of podcasts, leadership training, business development training, get out of the whole, uh, we have lawyers, so get get out of the whole training or law side of things and actually focus on, I want to be a good business owner, good practice owner, a good person in general, right? So focus on those ones. That's the first, first aspect, that, yeah. that training side. Then we go back to the team. So how can we make sure that the team are going to have the exact same output or the exact same client experience when it's them doing the work opposed to who the leader is of the organization. So training the team to do that. And the third part would be look at the culture and go back to the whole, if people enjoy what they do, they will continue to do it. So build a culture that invites people to enjoy what they're doing, make sure that it's, I think it's hard to have a culture that's work from home and you know people might disagree with me there, but you want to build a culture that everybody enjoys what they do, but that means it's easier to employ people. So right now we've got a skill shortage in Australia. We're probably a million people down than what we need to have as a, as a nation. And yet we still have 50 people apply for a job for us, um, right. which wow. is amazing. And we get to pick then, you know, the best two people or the best one, the person that we want. So we have 50 applicants, we pick the one we want. And that goes back down to the culture. So it's not just the culture internally, but it's the way that people perceive the culture externally. So focus on the culture. This is great, Gary. I appreciate your perspective on building a healthy organization. And it seems like you have one positive benefit after another. You're able to get good business done for your clients. They appreciate you. They give you referrals. 
you improve the skills of your people. That means you have a good story, which is easier to attract high performers, et cetera, et cetera. So that's great. So uh, congratulations on your success. And we're going to put all of your contact information on the show notes. Is there anything else you'd like for our listeners to know about you and the services that you offer? Yeah, thanks. So we're an accounting firm based out of Melbourne. We do business education, accounting, and wealth creation activities. So look, if you can reach out to us at www.hatcher.com.au and I'm happy to support anyone who reaches out. Thank you, Gary. We'll also put your LinkedIn link on the show notes as well. People can connect with you directly that way. Thanks again for being on the show. No worries. Thanks, Scott, for having me. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. For more information about our recruiting services for international law firms, visit our website at attorneysearchgroup.com. To inquire about having Scott speak at your next convention, conference, sales meeting, or executive retreat, visit therainmakingpodcast.com.